0: Father, thank you that we don't have to live this life for the deeds of the flesh, but for the will of God. That is a radical transformation, a radical shift that can happen because of grace. The grace of God to rescue us from the futility of this life and to redeem us to eternal kingdom purposes. God, thank you that we can say not my will but yours be done. That we as your people can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That there are things in this life we can live for. Things that are worth living for. Things that are eternal as we set our focus and our attention on the things that matter. So Lord, this morning as we look at 1 Peter one more time. As we seek to stitch the threads of grace throughout this letter and see the, the beautiful tapestry of your work in our life, I pray that you would remind us of the wonder of grace and that we would live moment by moment in grace so that we can call attention to grace that is working in us and encourage others to enjoy and participate in that same grace through faith in Jesus. May you be pleased this morning through the proclamation of your word, through the testimony of the scriptures. May your word come and have its way in our lives that we might not just be hearers of the word, but doers. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, we've been walking through 1 Peter. We've been going at this since the the beginning of the year and uh, at least 33 messages that we've had in this little book. This morning, I'd like to just kind of bring it all together and uh, and, and just notice some of the, the overarching themes, particularly the theme of grace that is woven throughout this letter and just call attention to the work of God in our lives. What is possible for believers because of grace? Let me tell you, as we become acquainted with God's grace, it will, it will change your outlook on life. Peter, in drawing this letter to a close at the end of chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, he, he finishes and wraps it up in this way. He says, By a salvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. As Peter reviews the letter that has been given to this church through the instrumentation of the Holy Spirit, and seeing the the themes of, of God's working in his life, wants to call attention to grace. So this morning, as we, as we look at the, the scope of this book, uh, we're going to make some observations about grace. Uh, um, we're going to let the word speak for itself. I've, I've, I've asked several uh, of those who have memorized 1 Peter. We, we've kind of encouraged you to memorize the book this, this year. And so each chapter is going to be recited by somebody from the congregation. And then we'll just provide some some summarizing thoughts about grace. I want to just help you see the the high points of God's grace working through this book as we remind ourselves of the work of God in our lives. So I would just encourage Tish, can you come up and share chapter one? Peter,
1: an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification through the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tried by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering those things which have now been reported to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers but by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot he indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who are kept by the power of God through faith and that's not right for salvation ready to be revealed and no anyway um but by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Where am I? Um, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls through obedience to the word by the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. And the grass withers and the flower falls away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the Word which through the
0: Gospel has been preached to you. I was reminded of some some letters that, uh, that, that I wrote when I was in college. I kind of pulled a, a couple of those out last night just to remind myself of the, the silly things that you say to the person that you're in love with. And you start reading a letter like that, you don't stop every sentence and dissect it and decide what does that really mean. You read it from start to finish, especially if it's from somebody that you love. This letter by Peter to the church would have been similar in format. It would have been a letter that they would have read in the company of the congregation. They would have read from start to finish. And certainly there would have been sometimes some breaks in trying to explain and, and uh, allow the understanding of the scripture to be known. But from start to finish, they would have been able to see the the full continuity of the Word of God and enjoy the the themes as they're scattered throughout the letter. Peter has drawn our attention to grace, and I just want to, to call your attention, make some observations about grace as we work our way through these chapters. First, I want you to notice that grace comes through Jesus. Peter's very clear about that. He wants you to know that you can rejoice. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of whom? Of Jesus Christ from the dead. You can rejoice in grace, the gift of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, all of the things that you would find acceptable in life you have because of God. The question this morning is, have you experienced grace? The grace of God, the favor of God in your life. It only comes one way. It only comes through faith in Christ. It only, becomes, it only comes to us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, from the grave, which means it was preceded by death. Death that canceled the record of sin. Death that was paid for us as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6. He says, the wages of sin is death but the gift, there it is, grace, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't have grace any other way. And this morning at the very outset of this message, it is, it is so significant for you to understand, essential for you to realize if you want to be a recipient of the grace that is available to you, it only comes through faith in Jesus. Have you been a recipient of grace? Have you bowed the knee before God? Have you come to the place of realizing your spiritual bankruptcy? You have nothing to give to God. There's no merit in and of yourself You can't earn your way to heaven. It's a gift of God that comes through faith in Jesus. Are you a recipient of grace that comes through Jesus? He's given his son Jesus. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son. Because he wants you to enjoy grace that only comes one way. Grace comes through Jesus. He moves on through this letter and wants you to realize that grace is a present reality. Grace is something that you can experience today. Even though your conversion may be something you look back on, something that happened at a point in time in your life, for me it happened when I was five years old and I came to the place of recognizing that I was a sinner, I needed Jesus to rescue me from my sin, I can still experience the grace of God today. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. It is a, a current affair. It is an ever-present reality for those people who are of faith that you can enjoy. You can enjoy the grace of God day by day as you access grace that comes through Jesus. It is a present reality for people of faith. Grace is also a future reality for people of faith. A future reality for people of faith In verse 13, Peter encourages us to set our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is something for those who are recipients of grace. There is this now brand new anticipation, this brand new priority of life, brand new perspective. Nothing matters except the relationship with God. They are setting their eyes on things above, not on things of the earth. They're laying up treasures in heaven, not laying up treasures here on earth. Because they, they realize that their citizenship, although it seems quite physical, has is, is now been transported to a spiritual citizenship, citizenship. A citizenship that is now in heaven. Because they're now sons and daughters of a king. Sons and daughters of God. They have new priorities, new affections. And so they have a new focus. That now everything in life can be eternal. Everything in life can last. It doesn't have to be built on futility. It doesn't have to follow vain purposes. That as they set their hope fully on grace, it can settle them even in hard times. Because Jesus can never be taken away. Their faith is kept by the power of God. It's not something they have to hang on to themselves. It's something that God, through the power of His Spirit, seals in the life of every believer as they're confirmed for future grace, future hope. And grace does lead to hope. Grace leads to an out-of-the-world kind of hope. Uh, the kind of hope that cannot be accessed by anybody in this life. And, and we see in, in verses 6 and 7, actually, I think uh, uh, 4 to 7, we see that it's an inheritance, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, which means your inheritance is not heaven, it's kept in heaven. Your inheritance is God Himself. Your inheritance is the originator of grace, is also the destination of grace. And it's the grace that preserves you from day to day as you access and enjoy the presence of God in your life. Are you one, day by day, who is accessing the grace of God through the presence of God that's leading your heart to hope? Leading your heart to this, out-of-this-world kind of, of, a, of affection and satisfaction that the world cannot take away. May God help us to be those who are recognizing the futility of this life and clinging to the permanence, the, the, um, the incorruptible nature of the inheritance that we have in God. Chapter 2.
2: But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls.
0: God has not only saved us, drawn us in his grace has made us new creatures but his grace also reconfigures everything about our existence we see that at the very beginning those who have tasted god's grace yearn and desire and crave more of god there is a yearning for for more of him as newborn babes crave the sincere milk of the word that by it you may grow those who have enjoyed the knowledge of God through the Word of God, those who have participated in salvation because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, they recognize that they can continue to access grace through knowledge of God that comes through the Word of God. There is this growing desire and yearning to know more about Him in His Word. This fellowshipping that the Apostle John talks about in 1 John chapter 1. We have seen Him. We have heard Him. We have touched Him. And those who have truly come to enjoy the grace of God through the Word of God make it a practice to continue to harvest and nurture the wonder of who God is through continual study Of the Word of God, this growing appetite for the things of the Lord. We also find that recipients of God's grace have been chosen for a special purpose. Now, this is particularly amazing for those of us who who are believers that God takes us from the deadness of self, He takes us from the futility of ourselves and he resets, reconfigures the direction of our life and actually makes us useful. We find that our lives become such a mirror, such a reflection of God, that is, it, is, it is as if people in seeing us see God. We find in verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, And then we find you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. When people see you, they see him. What could be more amazing than that? That God has taken brokenness and ugliness and sinfulness and rebellion in us and has has totally overhauled our life to now make us and orient us towards the, the one thing that we have been made for, and that is worship. We are living stones, we are a holy priesthood. We can actually offer up holy sacrifices that are acceptable to God because of Jesus. And while we were not a people, and we had not received mercy, God by His grace has shown mercy. He has made us a holy generation a royal priesthood, his own special people. That's what God has done for us to to totally realign everything about our life so that now we can live for things that matter, for things that are eternal. Grace has accomplished that for you if you're a believer today. And because of that, grace points to Jesus. The people see Jesus in us and especially see Jesus in the middle of injustice, in the middle of suffering, When things are not going well for you, they can see that there is something that is fixing you, something that is securing you, settling you, helping you. There's a foundation that you have that they do not. So that in verse 19, Peter says, This is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow, suffering unjustly. We have said that the Greek is actually, this is grace. It is a grace to you. It's a grace to me to show Jesus when things are hard. It's a grace to allow our life to be a canvas. We have said that suffering is the canvas on which the glory of God in the gospel is put on display. And so as you embrace injustice and suffering and heartache, you show Christ. People see the gospel in your life. They see God in your life when you allow hard things respond the right way in the middle of hard things. Grace points to Jesus. Chapter 3.
3: Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives As Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered finally all of you have unity of mind sympathy to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him.
0: The grace of God also radically transforms every relationship that you have. It's punctuated by a confidence in God and finding strength in God as the source and not finding strength in others. We have said through that section of Scripture that we no longer need to look horizontally for the things that we can only find vertically, that the perfecting and establishing and strengthening and settling the affirmation and encouragement and support that you would hope to get in horizontal relationships that can only be found from God when you do find it in that way you find it from Him you bring strength to your relationships not get strength from your relationships so it changes your relationships It begins at home, grace changes your marriage. It changes the way that wives relate to their husbands. There is a a confident settledness in the power of the Word of God. The Word of God that can change your husband and he needs lots of changing, I'm sure. But husbands as well, helping you to have the kind of tenderness, the kind of gentleness, the kind of sacrificial love that God has called you to show to your wife as an heir together of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Something that God does for you, His grace changes your relationship with your wife. We see that God's grace changes our church. It changes their unity within the church. They're of the same mind. They, they can see things the same way, not because they come from the same perspective, but because their perspective is aligned by the Word of God. It's, it's conditioned by the Scripture. It's submitted to the Word. And so while they might come from lots of different perspectives and lots of different experiences, as they align their heart to the Word of God, there is unity. There can be unity of the faith because of the word of God and the spirit who works unity among his people and grace changes our witness in verse 15 it says you can make a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now this is not an ambiguous kind of hope. This is the hope that he talks about, Peter, at the beginning of this letter. This is the set your hope fully upon the grace kind of hope. The out of the world kind of hope that the, that the world cannot have. And when the world sees that hope, now there's an opportunity to speak in and provide the witness, the defense, the reason for your hope, the gospel that they're seeing in you, you can now confess in a way that is tangible, a way that is is visible for them. They can see Christ in you as your hope carries you in the midst of suffering. Chapter four.
4: Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed has sufficed for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised that you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, for though judged in the flesh the way people are, they may live in the spirit the way God does." The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without complaining. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As God's... Or, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, speak with the oracles of God. Whoever serves, serve by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed if you are insulted for Christ's name you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But do not, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. But if anyone should suffer for the name of Christ, as a Christian, Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? For if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, if anyone should suffer according to the will of God... Let him entrust his soul to a faithful creator
5: while doing good.
0: In chapter 4, we see that grace changes us from the inside out. Grace changes you. No one knows you better than you do. No one sees the ugliness more than you see it. No one understands the brokenness of your life. No one recognizes the inadequacy quite like you do. Grace has come to change that, not to leave you where you are, but to carry you and help you to enjoy all the benefits of relationship with God. We see several benefits here in chapter 4. It begins with grace that keeps us from sin. Now, We often see this from the other perspective. We recognize that grace forgives us from sin. It doesn't doesn't give us the, the penalty of sin. We enjoy the forgiveness of God because of grace. And yet, the grace of God is meant to come into your life to make everything new, to liberate you, to help you not experience the bondage of sin that comes for, for those who are living in ignorance, as we look back in chapter one, as you're not following after the course of this world, you're no longer living as the Gentiles live here in chapter four. You can live a life of freedom, which is a life that's unhindered for God to carry out the purposes that God has for you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And as as those who are Uh, recipients of grace. You don't have to worry about the, the perceptions of people here. You don't have to live for the lust of the flesh. You don't have to live for the human juries that are here. You can live for the will of God. There is a new court. There is a new standard, and there's a new power because of God's grace. God's grace helps you to overcome sin. We see in verse 10 that God's grace equips you for service. You can be useful. God has entrusted to every believer, every person who has come into faith, a spiritual gift. Uh, The Holy Spirit has equipped you for a purpose. It's it's called here the manifold grace of God in the New King James. I think uh, it's the varied grace of God in the ESV. The, the, the idea is that every person is different and so as God gives you grace, the grace of, of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the ability to work out those spiritual gifts, it binds us together as a fellowship so that we can't be a healthy body without the contribution of that manifold grace of God in your life being useful in the rest of the body. Grace equips you for service, for for helping and ministering in the body. We also see that grace, grace strengthens us in suffering. We don't have to be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon us, but we can rejoice insofar as the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Most would say that suffering is the is the worst thing that you could ever experience this side of heaven. This side of hell, maybe, would be a better way to say that. But I want you to know from Peter's perspective that that the suffering that you experience in this life is a gift of God. It's a grace of God to you because that's when the power of the Spirit comes and amplifies the gospel in your life that people see Christ in you through suffering and the spirit of glory rests upon you to strengthen you for that work that you could never do on your own, but you could only do as coupled with the power of the spirit that rests on you in those very difficult times. It is a grace of God to help us experience suffering for the sake of his name. Chapter 5.
5: So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God and after you have suffered for a little time, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever, amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you
0: who are in Christ. Two more points to wrap up. The first point should be a familiar one by now. And that is grace comes from God. He is the God of all grace. If you're looking for gift, if you're looking for favor, if you're looking for a sense of identity, if you're striving for something that really matters, it only comes one way because He is the God of of all grace. There is no other grace to be found outside of Him and those who are believers in God can be conduits of grace but that grace must first come from God. Have you enjoyed, participated in the grace of God? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Seeking to cultivate humility and submission and confidence and really it boils down to faith humility and faith go hand in hand if you want to enjoy and experience the God of grace you must be a person who humbly believes who recognizes the promises of God and runs to him for all that he will give because he himself will strengthen and perfect establish and settle you it only comes from him, the God of grace. Our final point this morning is that grace leads to glory. Now, those who've been part of this study in First Peter will know that we have made a significant emphasis of the glory working through First Peter from start to finish. And, and here, Peter ends with this and wants you to recognize. That the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, is the one who will himself do these things for you. That in this way, we, as recipients of God's grace, you get to show and illustrate God for the people around you, your families, for your co workers, for your community, for the church as conduits of grace to others, grace from God to those around you, you are ultimately submitting yourself in worship to God in lifting up the glory of God as you worship Him in this way. The ultimate objective of life is to bring glory to God and to to enjoy Him forever. It happens for those who come to the place of recognizing the immense privilege of being a recipient of saving grace and who walk in grace day by day. It changes their life. It changes their relationships. And they call people to participate in the same grace as they show Christ and declare the gospel through their life. May God help us to be conduits of grace for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning and thank you that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. If there is anyone here this morning who does not know saving grace in this moment, oh God, I pray that you would call them to yourself so they may enjoy and participate in the beginnings of grace that will orient their entire life as they set their hope on final grace that will come at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, may this holiday season especially, may our focus not be on things of this earth. May our focus be on heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning. God bless you.